0: Let's see if this is working here. All right. Uh, well, I want to say thank you uh, for the opportunity to come here and just um, share a little bit with you guys this morning. And, um, uh, yes, yeah, so my, my, wa- my name is Aaron. My wife, Katie, uh, actually worked at the Getwell Day School here about five years ago. And my mother-in-law, Jennifer Lundy, works there right now, I think in the four-year-old classroom, something like that. Um, but that's kind of our connection to you guys, um, how we found out about you guys. My wife and I actually got married right next door about ten years ago at uh, St. Timothy's. Um, so we've kind of been in this area for a little while, and, um, but I'm, I really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you guys. And I just want to say I'm, I'm really blessed to be in fellowship with men um, at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're coming seeking God and that um, your, your presence here this morning is an encouragement to me. And I know you all are an encouragement to each other. And um, so I just want to encourage you and say keep, keep on, keep at it. Um, what you're doing here is great. Uh, so if I could pray for us real quick and then I'll get started and share a little bit about who we are. God, we just bless you. Um, We have so much to be thankful for, and we're thankful for the opportunity to meet together here freely as men um, to to seek you, and and we pray that you would show up, God. And We know that you're here among us. We know that your spirit is inside of each one of us, and you desire to know us and for us to know you deeply. Um, I thank you for each one of these men here and pray that you would go with them uh, Lord, as they go back to their families and, and their homes and their workplaces and their friends, I pray that they would be a light. I pray that um, you would continue to use them and, and all their special giftings and passions, God, to do your work and to continue spreading the fame of your name on the earth. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, my goal here today is I just want to share a little bit about my family, who we are, and... Um, and what we're planning to do, what we're hoping to do, and then kind of how that relates to you guys. And I got a couple of pictures here to show, so I'm going to pull that up real quick. Let's see. Okay. And let's see, we're going to go ahead and plug in our HDMI one more time. Working this morning. Let's to to try it again. Let's see. We're going to turn this off and turn it back on. Yeah. All right. Well, while he's working on that, I'll just um, go ahead and share. Uh, yeah, my wife and I have, um, uh, and, and the picture is about to come up, we've got three boys in our, in our newsletter picture. Um, Ethan is six years old. Caleb is four, and Jack is two and then three weeks ago we just had uh the fourth uh, boy born to uh to our family and so um you know I was already awake at four o'clock this morning, so uh, it was a good time to come in our Our house is full of superheroes and dinosaur noises, and I told my wife we don't even need a, a an alarm system on our house because we got so many Legos on the floor if anybody comes in they're, ah! <laughs> um so Uh, That's us. We live uh, in Memphis up uh, in northeast part. We go to the Avenue Community Church. It's a church plant from Second Presbyterian Church. Um, And uh, yeah, I teach ESL at uh, Treadwell Middle School. I teach sixth graders. I work with a lot of our uh, Hispanic and and Arab-speaking immigrants and refugees. Um, And my wife was an educator for several years before we started having kids, and now she runs her own uh, family photography business out of our house. So if you all need uh, Christmas pictures, put in a shameless plug for her. Um, Here's the newest addition. His name is Aiden. Um, So he's a cute booger, but he uh, hasn't figured out his days and nights yet. (laughs) We're working on that. We are uh, partnered up with a a sending agency called Interserve, and we are heading to Jordan uh, to work with Muslim refugees in Jordan. And so, how did we get there? Um, I grew up overseas as a missionary kid in Spain. Uh, My parents worked at an international school that was uh, for missionary kids to help keep missionaries on the field. Um, So that's how I grew up, and when I got uh, to high school, 11th, 12th grade, I started thinking about... What do I want to study in college? What do I want to do with my life? And I felt that it was pretty clear that um, scripture says that that life is all about other people. And I wanted to do something to to be a blessing to other people, have a direct impact on people's lives. But kind of in the back of my head, I always thought, I'm never going to be a teacher. Um, Both of my parents were teachers, and I knew that you had to be a crazy person to be a teacher because they're crazy people. And I thought, I'm not a crazy person, so I'm not going to teach. And in the back of my head also, I uh, had, had decided um, I'm, I never want to go work among Muslims. Um, I graduated from high school in early 2000s, kind of right after 9-11. I didn't know much about Muslims, but in my head, they didn't seem like very nice people. And I thought, you know, in Matthew 10, when Jesus sends out... His disciples to go to the towns and villages, he said, if they don't accept our message, shake the dust from your sandals and move on. And I thought, well, I already know they haven't accepted the message, and they're antagonistic to it, so I'll save you the trouble of going, God. I'll just skip ahead and go ahead and dust off my sandals and go, go somewhere else. And at the time, that made sense to me. Um, but I was, I was really wrong, and God, God has really done a work on my heart. Um, so that was in college is uh, when things started to change. I, I actually had to read a book for a class uh, called The Kite Runner. Any of you ever read it or seen the movie? Familiar with it? Um, uh, Really heartbreaking story about Afghanistan and just about um, orphans and abuse and racism and just the darkness um, of that place, uh, the poverty of that place. And it was the first time I'd ever read anything or knew anything about Muslims was reading this book and it just opened my eyes to the humanity of the people there and just realizing that they were people just like me. Who, who wanted to live peacefully with their families and, and who um, really needed Jesus. <laughs> and for the first time in my life, my heart started to soften toward them. At the same time in college, I was going to a church, and my uh, pastor was doing a sermon series about the church and what is the church. And I remember him giving an illustration one day in church about um, from, from uh, 250 A.D., um, kind of at the end of the Roman uh, Empire, there was a plague that broke out. Um, and uh, this particular story came from Alexandria, the city of Alexandria in Egypt. And the bishop, one of the bishops there, wrote a firsthand account of what it was like and was saying that it was so bad and so contagious that people were throwing the, the dead and the sick out in the streets And closing the doors of their houses and and the streets were just filled with the sick and dying. Um, It got so bad that the Roman Empire came and quarantined the entire city and said no one gets in and no one gets out. But when the local churches in the area heard about this, they went to the Roman magistrate and asked for permission to go into the city to tend to the sick. And the Roman magistrate said, you can go in, but you can't come out. And they went in. And I remember my pastor saying, that's what the church should be. We should be the people of God, filled with the light of God, willing to go to the most dark places of the world to share the love of Jesus. And that really resonated with me. And I remember sitting in the back of the church thinking, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what the church should be. Not, not sitting in these huge auditoriums with our Starbucks coffees and going home after church to watch football and doing who knows what, but that's what the church should be. And I remember at the same time hearing this voice in my heart that said, the church starts with you. And... You know, immediately I was thinking, okay, well, where's the darkest place on earth that no one wants to go right now? And I had just read this book, and I thought, it's Afghanistan. No one wants to go to Afghanistan right now. And I remember thinking, is that what you want me to do, God? And I was really scared. Um, I didn't know what to think about it, but my heart already was kind of broken for those people. And I thought, "I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. I started reading whatever I could get my hands on about Muslims. I started reaching out to people at state universities who had Muslim friends and asking if I could hang out with them. I started playing soccer with um, some Saudi guys. And the more that I got to know these people, the more that I saw God's image stamped on them and saw their need for Jesus and and just fell in love with his people. Um, There's an African proverb that says, when you're walking um, through the prairie, and you see something coming towards you in the distance, you think that it's a lion. And as you get closer, you realize that it's a man. And when you get even closer, you see that it's your brother. And um, that was really my experience in getting to know Muslims uh, uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I was at the time. So the uh, second part of that story is I, I thought, well, if I'm going to go to this part of the world, I need a way to get there. You can't just go there on a missionary visa. You can't stay there on a tourist visa. So. Uh, I thought, what's, what's a job that I can do that will get me anywhere where God calls me? And I thought, I can teach English. Everyone wants to learn English all over the world. And so I became an educator, which was the other thing that I said I would never do. Um, so I became a teacher, and I tried to go to Iraq. I tried to go to Afghanistan. I tried to go to North Africa. And all the places I applied to, no one would take me. The only place that accepted me was uh, a school in Turkey. And I didn't want to go to Turkey. Um, but I ended up there, and I'm thankful that I'm not the author of my story because that's where I met my wife. Um, my wife was a missionary kid who had grown up in Turkey. We met there. Um, but the other thing that was good about Turkey was while I was there, I um, had a chance to see firsthand um, the opportunities that the church has among Muslim refugees. Um, there was a guy there that went to the church that I was a part of in Turkey, and he um, he was an evangelist, and he had some contacts with some Iranian refugees. And in talking with them, he realized a couple things. He kind of thought these would be people who were hard and who didn't, wouldn't like Americans and wouldn't want to have anything to do with him. But as he talked to them, he realized a couple things. One, they were really disillusioned with the country they were coming out of that had kicked them out or persecuted them. They were disillusioned with their religion. A lot of times that is part of the reason why they were kicked out. They were disillusioned with the closed mindedness of their culture, and they were looking for a new identity, a new home. They were looking for life to make sense, and they were really open. And a lot of them needed to learn English because they were looking to get asylum in places like the US or Canada or Australia or the UK. And in order to do that, you have to pass an English interview in the embassy. And so they were looking to learn English, and this guy, my friend, said, oh, I can teach you English. Do you mind if we use the Bible as our textbook? And I said, sure. <laughs> so he started English classes. Um, as he got to know these families, he found out they had a lot of needs. They just came with the clothes on their backs, and they, they couldn't get work a lot of times, and needed food, so he started a food distribution program. They started a, a sports ministry program where they played soccer and would invite Iranians to come and play and then share the gospel with them. And, and a whole church sprung up out of this, um, and it was growing like crazy. And, and all that while I, was while I was there, and I thought, if I ever get a chance to come back you know, after we get married, that's what I want to do. Um, so my wife and I got married in 2013. Um, we paid off our undergrad debt. And we thought we could just go and disappear somewhere in the Middle East, but if we go, we want to go the right way. We want a community to send us out who's praying for us, who's checking in on us, a place to come home to. And we didn't really have roots here in the States, so we ended up coming to Memphis. Uh, My in-laws live in South Haven. We've been here now six, uh, going on seven years. And um, the whole time we've been here, we've just been looking for opportunities to work with Muslims here, um, I, I play soccer with a group of uh, Africans once a week. Uh, I teach ESL in the schools. We've taught ESL to um, adult uh, African refugees uh, in White Haven. Um, we volunteer with World Relief. So the whole time we've been here, we've been like, we're not just waiting to do this overseas. We wanna, we wanna do what God's put on our hearts anywhere we are. And uh, that's how we've used our time. But we, uh, after signing up with InnerServe, we ended up um, focusing on Jordan. Uh, Interserve has a team uh, in Jordan, and they're doing exactly the type of work that I saw being done in Turkey um, all those years ago uh, where they're doing food distribution. They have schools uh, for refugee kids. They're um, doing ESL classes for adults, vocational training, um, uh, all as a way to form relationships with Muslims and share about the love of Jesus with them. So here's Jordan. You can see that it's bordering some of these like Islamic stronghold nations, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, Palestine, Egypt. And Jordan is a really strategic location because um, it basically has an open border policy for refugees. They can come in and get legal status as refugees in Jordan um, pretty easily. The catch that a lot of them don't know is that their legal status as refugees does not allow them to work. It doesn't allow them to put their kids in Jordanian schools, and it doesn't give them access to subsidized health care. So they come here escaping the war in Yemen, Iraq, Syria, Palestine, Egypt. They come there escaping the war and then find out they can't work, they can't put their kids in school, they don't have access to cheap health care, and they end up stuck. A lot of them are, are trying to get asylum in other places of the world, in the UK and in Australia. Um, but, but their situation is really dire. And the reason why it's a strategic location for the church is because Jordan is a pretty open country. Um, they're tolerant of Christians. You can practice your faith fairly openly. Um, they don't want you proselytizing in the streets, but apart from that, you can meet openly together, share your faith with people privately. Um, and, and so the church is able to operate there pretty freely. The government doesn't want to have anything to do with the refugees. Um, they, they, they're kind of a, a, a weight and a blight. the Jordanians. So they've said, if the church wants to take care of them, that's great. You guys take care of them. We don't care what you do with them. So there's a real opportunity there. Um, In Jordan, one in three people are refugees. One in three people are refugees. Um, uh, 96% of the population is Sunni Muslim. Um, There is about 3% of the population is is Catholic or Orthodox, but only one-third of 1% of the population is evangelical Christian. Um, So there's a real need and a real opportunity uh, for the church in Jordan. Uh, I was able to go to Jordan this this summer to meet the team there and see what they do, and I was just going to show you a couple pictures. I want to make sure I don't go over time here. We finish at 7. Okay, all right. Um, So I'll show you a few pictures, talk about um, some of the people that I met there, and then talk about where do you guys fit in. So... um, uh, when I went to Jordan, I went to Amman, to the capital, and actually you can see here's Israel, here's Jerusalem, and on a clear day, if you come down to this city, Al-Salt, you can actually see Jerusalem. Uh, so it's really close there to, um, uh, to uh, Israel. Um, and in, here's a few pictures of Amman, um, it's kind of built on some hills, um, has a lot of history this uh, if you read the Bible this is the the home of the Ammonites um, when when you read the Old Testament uh, and Edom uh, the nation of Edom was here which uh, came from Esau um, here's a church you can see people can meet freely here um, and uh, and have that freedom to operate in, in Jordan and so that's really cool it was one of the churches the international churches that I had a chance to visit Um and this guy, uh, his name is Rami, and he's one of the pastors there, a Jordanian guy who just has a heart for refugees as well. Um, he, he has an incredible story, but uh, he, he shared with us, um, as a pastor there, he, he comes under pretty intense scrutiny from the government. He was actually pulled in by the secret police one time and interrogated, and they said, we heard that you're baptizing Muslims. What do you have to say about this? And he said, "I don't know who told you that. That's a lie. I don't baptize Muslims. I only baptize Christians." <laughs> and because they don't really know anything about it, they said, "Oh, okay," and they let him go. <laughs> um, so talk about you know the Spirit giving you the right words to say at the right time. Um, he's a really inspirational guy. But uh, he leads one of these kind of parachurch organizations, maybe one that we'll join when we when we go there. Um, and uh, his organization offers vocational classes for adults. Here is a photography class for Syrian women. Um, my wife is a photographer, so she's really excited about this uh, the opportunity to teach them a, a skill. Um, they also have run a school for uh, refugee kids since they can't go to Jordanian schools. It's not an accredited school, more kind of like a, a homeschool co-op, uh, but they're always looking for people to help run their schools and run their programs. Jordanians are working, so they're not always able to do it. So that's, that's where we fit in. Coming, uh, you know, self-supported and just being able to say, hey, put us to work. We're educators. Uh, we have a heart for these people. We're going to go through language school first, but um, our desire is to help out. Here's just a few more pictures of the school. Uh, So basically they just rented a a house and set it up as a school and turned some bedrooms into school rooms. And um, really simple, but um, uh, really neat opportunity. Uh, Another part of what they do is home visits. And this is kind of their initial point of contact as, as refugees f- come into the country, have needs, find out about them. Actually, a lot of times we found out refugees come in and they'll go to the local imam, the local leader of the m- local mosque, and ask for help. And because the government is tied up with, the, with Islam, with the leaders of Islam, um, the, the, the mosques often cannot offer aid to the people because it's government money. And the government doesn't really want to help refugees. And so oftentimes the leaders of these mosques will say, we can't help you. Go to the Christians. Um, so these people get referred to Rami and his team. And he goes and meets at their house. And he just says, tell me your story. And they tell him is their story. And he'll say, man, that, that sounds hard. We're, we're a group of people who um, we, we've known the love of God. We want to share the love of God with you, and we believe that God loves all his children and that he loves you. And whatever we can do to help, we're here for you. And so they they bring them food, check in on them once a month, they pray for them, they share Bible stories with them. I was in one home with a lady um, who was saying that she... Uh, because of the translation, I, we couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but she had some kind of medical condition and was running out of medicine and she was really worried about it. And uh, we shared the story with her of um, the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years who touched Jesus' robe. And as we were sharing the story, this woman's uh, like 20-year-old daughter was sitting there and she said, Mom, are you, are you listening to this? Are you listening to this? Jesus healed this this woman. And tears were coming out of her eyes. So... Really amazing opportunity to share with people. Um, This family right here, um, we uh, met in their house and heard their story. Um, This guy uh, right here um, was from Syria, had been tortured, captured and tortured by people there because he was from a religious minority, escaped to Jordan. And he said, you people are the only people who care about us. He said, we've been here nine years. Our neighbors don't care about us. The local imam has not been able to help us. The people of Jordan think that we're a blight on their country, but you have come into our house consistently, and you've brought us food. You've cared for us. You've prayed for us. And he said, you're a brother to me. And Rami was talking to him, and he said, I tell you the truth, brother. What you're seeing is not from me. He said, it's the love of Jesus in me. And he said, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart, and he knocks, and he's knocking on your heart today and he wants to come in, and he wants, he wants to come into your home and bring his love into your home. Will you accept him today? And the man just started weeping. And I don't, know, I don't know what was going on in his heart, but God's working on him. And you can see what an incredible opportunity we have to show love in a holistic way, meeting tangible needs and meeting spiritual needs at the same time. Um, so, um, yeah, here's just a few more pictures of folks we got to meet with, some uh, refugees from Yemen. Because their kids are not in school, they just kind of sit around (laughs) Um, a lot of times. Um, We were able to put Gospels in um, Arabic into the hands of some people while we were there um, who were curious. Um, And this is kind of the end goal. This is Rami, and this is a group of 14 Iraqi refugees that he's been discipling. He... um, says that he had just finished reading through the Old Testament, or not the Old Testament, but the the first five books of the Old Testament with him. And he said, every time I do that, I like to take people to Mount Nebo. This is where Moses went to look into the Promised Land before he died. And he takes them to this place and he says, I like to show them this place because we come here and this is the view. And he says, look, that's Jericho. That's where the people walked around the wall. Remember, we read about this. And he says, look, and that's the Jordan River and that's where they crossed in uh, to the Promised Land and um, they can, uh, and he says, "And, and Jerusalem is in the distance and he says, "We read about it and we see it." And so here he is just teaching these people, and they're asking him questions, and um, he's answering, and um, it was an amazing opportunity. Um, there's also a sculpture there of a snake wrapped around a, a, a stick. And at the bottom of the sculpture in Arabic is a verse that says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him can have eternal life. And he is able to share, share the gospel. Um, and so that's the end goal. This is what we want to do and what we want to be a part of. Um, so how does that relate to you? Um, I just want to read Romans 12. 4 through 8. This is where Paul is talking about our lives as a living sacrifice. But he says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so my encouragement to you this morning, well, I think the danger of me coming here and speaking to you like this is that it's easy to compartmentalize, right? And to say, you're up there and I'm down here. And so you're the ministry guy doing the ministry thing. And... I'm different, and that's not the case. I, I was raised in the church. I've sat right where you're sitting. I'm just a guy who has figured out that I'm passionate about the lost, and, and God's given me a passion for Muslims. I'm able to teach. I'm, I'm gifted at teaching. Uh, you may not know that from my speaking this morning, but it's early, so give me a break. Um, but I'm gifted at teaching, and I'm, I just want to use my gifts Um, to serve the Lord and you all can do the same thing and so whatever your gift is whatever your passion is I would encourage you it's never too late to look and, and figure out where do I fit in and and Maybe it's not with world missions, but maybe it's right here in the church. If you love kids, can you serve the kids in your church? If you um, are just able to, to, to greet people and welcome newcomers, are you able to do that? If you're um, gifted at cooking, which I'm not, but I'm so thankful for the people here who are just you know, giving up their time this morning to cook and, uh, and to make food for us, what can you do? Um, you have a part to play. And if you are interested in world missions and in the spread of the gospel around the world... Um, then there's a way that you can be involved with our family. Um, we are looking for financial partners uh, we've been uh, we 've been on this uh, journey of raising support for about five months, hoping to leave in June of 2023 so we 've got about seven months left we 're almost halfway there we 're at 25 percent support right now so we need monthly supporters to help us get there. Um, we need one-time gifts because we 've got a lot of setup up fees um, Uh, We've got language school to pay for. We're not allowed to put our kids in Jordanian school, so they're going to have to go to a private school. Um, uh, So we have financial needs. But apart from that, we need encouragement. Um, There's a place out here where you can sign up for our newsletter, and uh, I'd love to have you guys sign up. And just when you get a newsletter from us, write back a little encouragement. Two sentences, hey, thinking about you, thankful for you, praying for you. Um, Keep up the good work. That goes a long way. Um, we need connections, connections to people who have resources, connections to people who have a heart for this type of work, um, connections to people maybe in this part of the world. Um, when we come back for furlough, we, we may need a car. We may need a place to stay. Um, all these are, are ways that you can fit in to join our team um, because it takes a team effort. We're one body, and uh, we need you guys, and um, we're, we're really excited to be partnered with Get Well Church. Um, we're in the area, we're from this area, my in-laws live here, we're going to be back here, we drive up and down this road all the time to see them, um, and so we're here, and, and we're excited to get to know you guys better, and to get to know your church better, we're thankful for you, and I just want to encourage you that you you have a role to play, and God wants to use you in his kingdom, and so um, thanks again for the opportunity to be here this morning, I just want to leave a minute or two um, if anybody has a question, um, and then I just also encourage you when we leave, you can grab, we have a news um, prayer card out there um, that you can get with our contact information and, and links to give to our family, um, and, uh, and uh, what else was I going to say? The newsletter, the prayer card, yeah, I'd love to meet you too as we walk out, but does anyone have any questions this morning? Yes, sir. Yeah, and I would say not so much the Jewish people have fled but the Palestinians. Yeah. Yes. Yes, when Yeah. Yeah. So, uh I I heard somewhere that one in 3 Jordanians are originally from Palestine. And um and and yeah, in the 50s when when Israel became a state, they kicked out A lot of the Palestinians and a lot, most of them went to Jordan. And so they were granted basically immediate citizenship. So they're kind of on a different status. They can work, um, but they're ethnically Palestinian, although technically, you know, legally they're Jordanians. So, um, yes, there are a lot of Palestinians there, but they've, most of them came a long time ago and are a lot more integrated. Yeah. Yes, sir. you two cool population. You never mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. no. Uh, so population of Jordan, I want to say is about 20 million. I remember reading it's about the size of Ohio and about the same population as well. So I could be off, but I, I believe it's about 20 million. Um, uh, and your second question was resources. No, Jordan doesn't have any resources. They don't have oil, they don't have water, they don't have agriculture. It's just a big sandy place. Um, and, and actually this is a big reason why they've accepted all these refugees because of the international aid they get. By bringing in all these refugees, say, "Hey, we need help. We're trying to help all these people," and and countries are just pouring in aid, and that's propping up their economy. So really, it's it's a form of uh, of human trafficking. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Do you see your operation over there developing into something like the kiva forest uh, uh, in Israel for so many years? I'm actually not familiar with that. Um, I would say InnerServe, and I don't know if this is going to answer your question, but InnerServe's philosophy is to send people to least reached places in the world um, to be Christians where there aren't Christians, but basically to live and work in their, in their areas of professional expertise and to come alongside any existing church and to say, here's who we are, here's our gifts, put us to work. And so InnerServe comes in not wanting to start churches necessarily, although they would love to see that happen. Not wanting to start organizations necessarily, but to come alongside work that's already being done there. Because we believe that nationals um, are, are able to connect much better with their own people than foreigners. Um, but we are able to support and we are able to, to offer things like teaching English that they can't often do. Um, yeah, so that's kind of their vision. Maybe one more question, if anybody has another question. Yes, sir. Their, their U.S. office is based out of Philadelphia, but actually it is the oldest missions organization in the world, or maybe second oldest. It goes all the way back to the 1800s, um, and they started working in India, but they, they started as an organization based out of England. And um, they have grown, I think they have 14 national offices now. So they send people from the U.S., they send people from the Netherlands, from Taiwan, from uh, Chile, from all over the world. And so the team that we're going to be a part of there is actually very international. Um, several Chileans, there's a, a Taiwanese lady, there's a, a Malaysian lady, there's uh, an Australian couple, uh, there's two American families. Um, and it makes an interesting mix. But um, it presents some challenges, but also uh, it's just really neat to be partnered with more the global church in, in doing this together. Yeah. Um, well, I want to thank you guys, and I'll just pray one, one more time real quickly, and uh, we, can, we can go. God, we just love you. We thank you that um, you, you have a plan to redeem the nations because you have a heart for the nations, and you're going to do it. You want to do it in us and through us. And you will do it in spite of us. And I thank you that we have the privilege of joining with you in what you're doing. God, would you use all of us here um, to do your work? Um, I pray that we would not grow weary of doing what is good because we know at the proper time there will be a harvest. Um, Lord Jesus, we look forward to that day when we see you coming in the clouds to redeem all men, to bring all men to yourself, um, and and, um, to rescue the saints. Um, We're so thankful for you. We love you. We bless you today. Amen.